This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week on our panel, we have Eric Hanchett, author of Vue.js in Action. Hey, Chuck. Uh, we also have Joe Eames, organizer of the Framework Summit. Hey, everybody. Flight author. <laughs> Sorry, cut you off. That great intro, and I cut you off. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, I, I actually put this topic in uh, for a couple of reasons. And so I'll just kind of kick things off. Uh, first of all, I've had a lot of people ask me how to get a job as a new developer in particular. Um, the other reason is, is because I've been working on this course um, and I keep promising to put it out. Uh, of course, we're recording this about six or seven weeks before the episode goes live. So the episode will be out by the time this goes live. So if you're out there and you're looking at the course, go to devchat.tv. Just click on uh, the link for store products. I can't remember what it is, but you'll see it there. And it's, it's just the getting a job course. Um, I think I named it Get a Coder Job. So anyway, you can get that and we'll, we'll talk through some of the stuff that's in the course. But anyway, uh, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and talking to a lot of people lately. And a lot of people kind of go about it the wrong way. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about that. And then I have a couple of questions for our other panelists. But primarily what people do is they go out and they kind of spread their resume around as much as they can. And then it works out that, you know, nobody calls them back. Or they'll get in for an interview and then they, you know, walk out of there not knowing what's going to happen. And they never get called back for that. And there are a few reasons for that. And there are a few things that you can do to make things better. And so that's what my course is on is it's, you know, there is essentially there's a better way. And here's what the better way is. Um, I'm a little curious, you know, as we dive into this, uh, Eric and Joe, how did you guys get your first developer jobs? So, yeah, I'll jump in here first. So uh, I, this is kind of a topic that I actually to go over occasionally um, on my YouTube channel on eric.video. And it's something that's very interesting because there's two thoughts here where you have some people that go the traditional route of getting an education. And that's kind of what I did. So to answer your question, Chuck, yeah, I was, I went to a university, got a four-year computer science degree. And then that really opened a lot of doors when I went and applied for jobs. So I applied for a couple of jobs. I actually realized that even though I had a computer science degree, I really needed to study for my interviews because I got, you know, the gauntlet of, in-person interviews with whiteboarding and all. Uh, <laughs> I love the whiteboard interviews. Yep. Take home tests. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot harder than I realized. Um, finally, I found a company that I did okay enough on the whiteboarding test to get my first job. And that's kind of how I, I broke in. I, I guess technically before that I had an, in, I've always done some web development on the side and I had an internship while I was in college. And that was when I just kind of uh, applied for, and, and, and worked my way into. Um, there, the other route, uh, to finish my thought there, was the kind of the self-taught route, which I think a lot of people are, are getting into. Either they have some college or, or no college, or they're going from a different field into 
to, to become a, a programmer and developer. And that's definitely a different answer than what you'll, than what I went through. How about you, Joe? Kind of the opposite route. I had a, I think I took one programming class at a college level. And I think I did an AB computer science and I was working this job and one other manager asked my manager if he could spare anybody as programmers. He said, no, but I have this guy I think that's taking some programming classes. You can have him. And so they had me, this is back in the 90s, they had me a big thick stack of books on the Foxpro programming language and said, if you could do this, come next Monday, then I want you to program for me. So I just <laughs> read books and Monday morning I did my best <laughs> to get some stuff done. I mean, they paid me nearly nothing. I mean, just a little bit above minimum wage, but I figured it out. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I mean, talking about these different ways of getting in, I've talked to quite a number of people preparing for the course. And I think the most, like if you want the gap between your training, you know, what, whatever, whether it's self-taught or a boot camp or whatever, and getting a job, it seems like getting the four-year degree is kind of the most surefire way. You know, people are willing to take a little bit more of a chance on you if you have the four-year degree. But even then, I mean, I, I've met a few people that have gotten their four-year degree and then they get that first job and then they're kind of stuck. They don't know what, they don't know how to move on or move up. And so that's another problem. But then you also get people out of the boot camps or the, or self-taught, which costs a lot less and takes a lot less time but then it's harder to get that job when you think you're ready. And so yeah. it's, it's interesting to see how that all works out. Um, I do know quite a number of people, though, that kind of had what Joe described happen to them where, oh, you know, a little bit of programming and we need this kind of work done. So can you maintain our website or can you write a couple of scripts or some macros for, for Excel or something like that? And then you kind of pick it up that way. Yeah, you know, I think that's more common, really. I mean, I think the people going to college to get four-year degrees for computer science to get into development and programming, being an engineer, has become more rare. I mean, so many people are just skipping college altogether, or they're coming from different fields, or they were in IT, or, or their Joe story, and they're moving in. I think that's become more common. I'm kind of like an old dinosaur that actually went and got a degree, which is okay, because I've worked with people from boot camps. I've worked with self-taught developers, which are you know, super sharp. They do an awesome job. I mean, you don't, the old adage that you need a, a degree to, to get a, a programming or developer job is just not true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting though, that even though you don't need a degree, it, like Chuck said, it is the most sure way to enter the industry. So there is a lot of value still to it, but there are definitely shortcuts and the more mm -hmm. shortcuts you take, the more risk you take about it. So I've had a, a ton of experience. I pulled my daughter out of high school and put her in a boot camp when she was 16. And that turned out to not be a good idea. She wasn't prepared to just go through a three month boot camp and get enough skills from that to be able to get a job. Uh, I've done a lot of teaching at one of the local boot camps. I teach their like last day very frequently. I probably taught it 10 times, which is just on interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the actual numbers are, but for just a typical normal boot camp that a, a random city may have, I'll bet that only about a third of the developers that graduate actually get a job in short order. And maybe another third will eventually go on and become programmers and probably about a third will not do it. They'll go off and do something else. And that's probably okay because there's a reasonable chance that a 
the third that goes off and does something okay, they they either really don't want to be a programmer or um, it's just not the right job for them. Maybe they just don't quite have the commitment. It's that middle third that's kind of that, it wasn't super easy for them or maybe they just didn't have enough time to just spend all day long doing it, but they really still wanted to get it done. And so they're going to, they kind of slog away and maybe the boot camp doesn't work. So they try something else, you know? So there's, but I also feel like there's a lot of employers for which a single three month boot camp just doesn't give you enough skills for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a four year degree really doesn't necessarily give you much in the way of skills either, depending on what the curriculum is. Because when you come out, when you want a job, you know, what they want is they want you to be decent with Angular or React or, you know, Vue is growing now. And some .NET or Java on the back end or whatever it is they use on their back end, right? And that's not necessarily this type of stuff you learn at school. You might learn some web programming and some JavaScript and you might have one class that includes some Java, but you've got a lot of other stuff. So you're not necessarily coming out of there with the hit the road, hit the ground running type of skills either. And you spend four years doing that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with my degree, of course, I was a computer engineering degree major, not a computer science major, but still, you know, when I graduated, if I had graduated with the skill set that, you know, I had learned in school, I would have graduated knowing how to code in Java, C++, and C. And, you know, there are a lot of Java jobs out there, but... C, that's like super in demand today. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So, so yeah, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily set you up for that. One other thing that I would also point out is that the the indicator that I see that, that makes the most difference for people as far as being able to get a job or get that first job is how many people they know and who they know as opposed to necessarily what they know. I mean, they have to have kind of a base level. I can learn this stuff or I'm good at this stuff kind of, you know, skill level where, where they're passable. They can come and make some kind of contribution. But a lot of times the people who get the jobs are the ones that have some connection out there in the community where somebody knows them and their skill level well enough to say they're about this good and we can, we can get them up to speed three months. Yeah. And I think that's true. Going back to the conversation about degrees, you know, even though I say that I'm kind of a rare breed, there's definitely tons of benefits of having a degree. And first, the HR firewall that's out there because so many yeah. people are trying to get into this field right now. It's it's super packed. I, I would say a lot of not high level, not high level, that's not a good word, the senior level. There's not a ton of senior level developers, but there's a lot of junior level developers that are trying to get into the field. So having any kind of degree that gets you past that HR, HR firewall so you can at least talk to somebody and actually maybe get on the interview, that really helps you out. And going back to your point, Chuck, with the... Uh, so yeah, you, you having knowing people obviously is one of the in any type of industry is is really important. And so if you are in a curriculum at your college that has a good alumni network that has counselors that are going to help you and maybe good professors that know people that work in the industry, like my professor and pretty much knew all all the different hiring managers in our city, you can get those connections to get those interviews right away too. And so that's another benefit. Of course, the corollary to that is you could do that on your own. It just, and if you're a boot, if you're taking a boot camp, they do offer a lot of, I think, Joe, you said like the last part of the boot camp is teaching people how to interview them. That's some skill. That is a skill that you definitely need to get a job in the industry. But they also, I'm sure they have uh, also people that they know that they can get you uh, 
get you a job at? I'll, I'll tell you that having talked to people both who work at boot camps and who have graduated from boot camps, it depends on the boot camp. Some of them are much better connected than others. And some of them mm. care a lot more about that than others. And so yeah. it's not a given. I think, though, the biggest differentiator by far is the student over the camp. Oh, totally. You know, I see a huge difference. Almost cut when I go to these classes again. You know, I can almost I can almost cut those classes into three just by looking at them and say, all right, this is the third that worked 12 hours a day while they were going to boot camp. This is the third that worked hard. And it's probably still going to stick with it. This is the third that parents were paying for it. They're just showing up just because um, they thought this was an easy way to make a lot of money, whatever. They're not really interested in what they're doing. And so the person themselves makes a huge, a huge difference for sure. Uh, your dedication, your desire, that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that a kind of a cop out though, Joe? Cause couldn't you say like, well, this class didn't do so well because half the people weren't motivated when if the curriculum was better and the teachers were better and the part that, that they may have done better. Cause that, no one likes to blame themselves, I guess if someone fails to go through boot camp. Yeah. But right. I, I've met a lot of people who have gone through boot camps who, you know, they would pick up whatever was taught in the class and then they'd spend three or four hours outside of class learning more, learning more deeply and things like that. And those are the people that are much more likely to be able to get that job that, that we're talking about here. And I think that's the point that Joe's making. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you definitely want to, like you said, Eric, there are a lot of junior developers entering the field and it may or may not be anywhere near the number of actual developers in the field, but the ratio of junior developers to actual jobs like the demand slide is way on one side when it comes to junior developers, way on the other side when it comes to senior developers. You know, the senior developer level, there's 10 jobs for every developer. At the junior developer level, there's 10 people for every job. So anything you can do to differentiate yourself or to give you that leg up. So if you're going to go to the boot camp route, choosing the best boot camp is important, but also you yourself and how much you're going to work and study and try and consider that this is going to be a super hard thing and you've just got to put in the time and the effort. And there's no snoring through it and still end up with a six-figure job. You know, you look at like Hack Reactor, the gold standard of boot camps. They're a little bit longer and they do six days a week and 12 hours a day where most boot camps are five days a week and eight hours a day or if they're full-time, right? There's a major difference. But the big difference, of course, with Hack Reactor is just the fact that they can filter through so many more applicants. Most our boot camps here, they accept pretty much 100% of the applicants. Uh, Hack Reactor accepts a very small percentage. And that's another reason why they don't even necessarily care if you can pay or not, because they know that if you're good enough, you know, you meet their criteria, you're going to graduate, you're going to get a job, you're going to make so much money, you can easily pay their fees. So, Which is like ten dollars to $20,000, right? Uh, yeah, I think they're right close. They're much probably much closer to that twenty to thirty. Honestly, the local boot camp is like fifteen grand here in Utah. So the hack reactor is closer to thirty. And well, I know now they're coming out with a lot of these boot camps that their model is you just pay us a percentage of your salary. There's one here in Utah. It's like that. You pay us a percentage of your salary for the first year or two. And we don't we take very little they take very little up front, like a down payment, basically. Yeah. I will say though that the reason that the people who go out and, you know, work their tail off to get the job 
is because these companies aren't out there going, oh, we really need somebody to train, right? We want a project. We, you, we are a project. Yeah. You know, that, that they're, that's not what they're out there for. That's not what they're about. They're out there saying, we need to make a living. We need to make money. And we can't get all the work done that we know we need to do in order to do that. So we need somebody to come in here and, you know, solve these problems with code. That's, that's what they're looking for. And so if you're the kind of person that's going to go out there and spend an extra two, three, four hours outside of class working your butt off to know this stuff and learn this stuff and do this stuff, then when you go in and you interview with them and you can demonstrate to them that you're going to spend three or four hours outside of class coming up to speed. I mean, it's not something you have to do forever, but you're, you know, you're going to learn the stuff that they need you to know so you can contribute. They're more likely to take a chance on you as a new developer than if you're the kind of person that just kind of skated through and you know the bare minimum because that's what was in the curriculum. And I think that, I think that speaks to the difference. And then the, the other thing, and I said it before, is if you know people who can give you the chance to get in front of people and you've been that kind of student, that, that makes it a whole lot easier because you can get in front of a whole bunch of people and you're more likely to run into the companies that are willing to take a chance on you if it looks like you're going to come up to speed quickly and start contributing right away. I think um, another thing that can help, I think that there's, we, right now we've got universities, we've got boot campuses. That's kind of the two main ways. And there aren't a ton of other options. There are some online boot camps to be a little bit more fluid and flexible. But I think that we're serving a very minor part of the public, right? So the universities kind of crummy because... It costs a ton of money and a ton of time, and most of that money mm-hmm. is waste and time is wasted, right? And maybe that's wrong to say most of it, but a lot of that money and time is wasted, right? You're doing a lot of stuff that you didn't necessarily need to get into the industry and get a job. That's and, not true. It's not wasted. <laughs> don't, don't be don't be a hater of colleges. So my, I love my, colleges. No, I, yeah, I, point is to get a job. Right. If you're if your point is to get a job, I can go to college and I can take fantastic classes on all kinds of things like guitar. But that is not going to help me in my college in my job. Um, when I I've been program I was programmed for like 15 years before I finally decided to sit down and study data structures and algorithms. Right. Finally decided I sit down and I spent like 300 hours over the course of six months studying data structures and algorithms. Up until that point, I probably could have used that knowledge that I'd gained three, maybe four times in my career. Learned it, learned it pretty reasonably. I would say the, the equivalent of a couple of five-hour classes. And then when I was done, now it's been like five, six years, I think I've used that knowledge once, right? Cool stuff, awesome knowledge, totally nothing wrong with learning that type of a thing. Taking a compiler's class, nothing wrong with that. But when you're talking about your average business programming job, that sort of stuff is not what you I would call the critical you. This is stuff that you need to get a job and to do well in your job, right? What you need is good, good solid uh, logic skills and then some actual like programming languages that people are using, projects, real world projects. So let me contrast that with another university that I actually know of. It's here in Utah. This is the one, this is almost like a weird mixed university. I have hired several developers from it. It's called Newmont University. Mm-hmm. They used to be a shorter program. Now they're, they're three calendar years, but they do, it's a full four-year accredited university. But the last full year that you're there, the last 12 months, 
you spend it 100% doing client project work for clients that the university gets. That's your classes. You're not getting paid for it. It's your class to go in there and do this work. And they're structuring around the first two-ish years. They're teaching you more of the, you know, learn this language and learn this language. And they have they, they have like a web programming fo- course focus where you could choose from like five different paths. One of them's web programming. One of them's like uh, backend programming or there's a game programming one. But after that one year of experience, like we've hired, I hired like four developers from there. They were night and day above your typical university graduate as far as what they could do and how well they performed uh, for us. It was, it was a huge difference. So that yeah. kind of stuff is super valuable. Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean, the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do slash co slash views on view. Yeah, I think, I think it depends on the curriculum and the, the college. I mean, the old school curriculum where you're learning C, C++ and a little bit of Java, and that's everything is in there. Uh, that's your whole curriculum. The only languages that you learn. I think that's changing depending on what it is. Of course, computer science is is a lot of math. It's it's yep. not it's not necessarily just programming. But there's kind of other programs like computer engineering, which has more of a focus on the actual programming aspects, like the college you just mentioned, Joe, which are, are taking these type of classes, are teaching these type of classes. I know at my university they would have graduate students that would teach elective classes on like JavaScript and web development. And they may even touch on the, on uh, you know, frameworks, things like that. So it, I think it's changing a little bit um, depending on, I mean, if you're in, if you're 18 years old and you just graduated high school or 17 years old and you just graduated high school and you're looking at a college and you want to become a developer, you know, take a, a good look at, at what they're offering um, how the school is accredited, where it's ranked, and then look at the senior and high-level classes. But even in, even a traditional computer science curriculum, you may not be learning how to you know do you do JavaScript and how to do CRUD applications for your web app. But you are going to learn some problem-solving skills, and you're going to learn some algorithms which you, you may not use those exact algorithms in your job, but you can kind of extrapolate some of those things that you're learning, the type of problem solving to, to what you're doing on your day-to-day job. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. But I would also put in the counterpoint that if you're the type of person, like I loved my math classes and I loved my physics classes in high school, right? So in order to be effective, and I've seen this with my daughter Right. She was not, she's not a big fan of math and she, she never was. And so she, what she struggles is the logic, right? She has trouble where I, we take, Hey, we need to get this thing done. Right. And it, uh, the boot camp that they went to, they did a toy, pro- they called it a toy problem every day where they said, here's a toy problem. You just need to figure this out. And it's almost like the whiteboard coding type stuff. And that's the type of stuff that she struggled with. So those sorts of classes will get you that skill. They're almost the way that they're going about it. Like, I do some advanced math or do these, take these algorithms courses. 
in the end, what they're doing is getting you that skill of, can you think logically through a problem? Can you break down a problem into small pieces, think logically through it so that you can ultimately, regardless of language, write an algorithm that solves this problem, right? That solves the problem of how do I get from A to B, right? Getting that skill is important. If you've already got that skill, though, then taking all those classes like, uh, for you, the math classes that you took, how, many, how much of that math have you used in your career? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a math minor, but I, uh, I don't, I use, I guess every now, the other day I had, I had to use, I had to pull out my book and, and figure out how I was going to do this one type of problem, which, so occasionally, not, not, not a ton. No. I mean, I understand your point there. I, I just think, feel like there's this huge backlash from a lot of developers all over the place that are just anti-college. And I, I don't know why so many people are anti-college. Yeah, I, well, I, I have to be like the lone person that, that defends <laughs> college when we ever get a conversation. <laughs> well, but I think that me, there's something else going on. Uh, hold on, Jack. I want to make another point about this. Okay. There's something else going on, and that is that a lot of people are going and taking a computer science degree, which is totally awesome. But the, there is this like research more academic aspect of what is computer science as a science right and that is not what we do in our jobs right i'm not doing computer science in my jobs right i am doing i just need to get stuff done using basic tools and techniques so if i could take the college what what college is doing is advancing the discipline of computer science as a whole which from everything from the compilers and the cpus all the way up right to people thinking about is tdd really a valuable thing or not right doing studies on that it 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 blends ultimately into these phds where people are expanding the knowledge base that we have but when we're talking about, I want to get a job and I want to be a programmer, I would much rather that, that somebody spends a year in college actually doing real-world projects for a client, right? Or, some, or whether that client is an actual client or a boss. Do some real-world projects. Get, get some, uh, deal with what it's like to actually live in an agile environment where you're doing sprints and see that. Be given a problem that you have to sit and bang your head against the wall that isn't a something out of a textbook, but actually like a big project, right? Like put a whole website together and work with, collaborate with a, a large group. And there's a minimal, there's some of that, but I think there's way too much time spent on the science of computer science and not enough time in a typical, computer, especially computer science degree, spent on here, learn to be a good employee in a programming environment so that when you get out, you can, like I said, that Newmont school, they weren't teaching most a lot of the they were skipping a lot of the classes you saw in computer science, but we would hire them hands down over a graduate from the University of Utah, which is an extremely highly rated scientific school, um, engineering school. But we would hire them every day because they were learning what to us was really practical, and they were coming out of there not with like, "Hey, you now know JavaScript," right? It was it wasn't just that they knew JavaScript; it was that they had walked through an entire project. So I. We knew that if we gave them a problem that was hard and they had to really work to get over it, that they would still be able to figure it out uh, with minimal amount of help from somebody else. And we would just, you know, do some code reviews and stuff, but they could actually act as a really independent, not, oh, we got to really hold hands for, you know, six months. So that idea that, what was it you, Chuck, Chuck said, you know, what I need is a project. We, we're looking for a project. We're looking for somebody to train. We never saw those graduates as that. We just looked at them as they weren't senior level. They were below senior level, mm-hmm. but they were still productive contributing members of the team. Well, and that's that's the whole point, right? Is that 
you were looking for somebody that you could bring in and they could just jump in and get to work. And, you know, yes, you knew that there was probably going to be some training and bringing up to speed involved, but ultimately those are the people you were looking to hire. And if you're looking at it strictly from the standpoint of, I want to be a developer, okay, and ignore all the rest of this stuff. I want to be a developer. From, from that point, there's a huge opportunity cost to getting a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you want to go in and you want to learn all the theory and you want to learn the, you know, some of the history of computing and you want to learn a lot of this stuff. And, and I find that you know, also in a four-year degree, at least for me, I learned how to think about certain types of problems in a productive way. And so even though I don't learn the specific or use the specific techniques day in, day out, I mean, so there are things that you get from a four-year degree that may make it worth it to you. But if you're just looking for what's the quickest road to getting me to have a job that's paying me to write software and pays me a decent amount of money, there's a huge opportunity cost when you're looking at the four-year degree. But if you want to go in and you want to understand the theory and you want to understand the science and you want to be able to you know, maybe get into a little bit more of the experimental side of how we write software and a lot of the mathematical, scientific, provable parts of software, then a computer science degree is definitely the way to go. Yeah, and there's other degrees other than being, you could look at AI, you can look at more scientific uh, levels of development and programming that probably require a degree more. You could open learning. Machine learning, yeah. There's some higher, something in the academic world too. You yeah. you have to have a degree too. So that helps. And also, I was going to say my my program that I went through, my our senior class, we broke up into teams of three or four people. And they had probably like, probably a half a dozen, maybe 10 different companies in town came to our classroom and pitched ideas of things that they wanted to add to their um, apps or they wanted some project being done. So they pitched to our class. And then each one of us in our class got to choose if we wanted to work with one of those companies. So uh, my team worked with General Electric, GE, and created something for them. And that was our senior project. So we had deadlines that we had to, to fulfill. We had to talk to their project manager we went over their requirements documents. It was more like a waterfall process at the time. So th- there, is, there is some, going back to depending on the college and the curriculum, there's some ones that, that you can actually interact with companies and kind of get some of that real-world experience in your program. Also, I interned my last year, so I was a part of a team where we had, where we had to do a lot of those things I wasn't learning in school. So I think that that helped too. But it, then it goes back to the student. So some students are going to cruise through their computer science degree. They're going to do, they're just going to kind of skate by with a low GPA and they're not going to learn anything else other than what they've learned in classes. But the students that do really well are the ones that are going to go for those internships. They're going to try to Google intern at Google over the summer. They're going to learn web development on the side where they're taking their data structures class. And then, so when they get out of college, yeah, they won't have as much time as someone that was doing it full-time, but they'll they'll have those skills. So when they go to those first interviews, they'll be like, oh yeah, I did, here's some web development project I did on the side. Here's my portfolio. So, and then plus I have a degree. So you can you can make the argument that someone that works really hard in their program too can, can come out. And it is a big, huge opportunity. There's an opportunity cost of four years 
or five or six. (laughs) (laughs) But there is the similar opportunity cost on the other end, right? You take a boot camp. If that's not enough to get in the industry, then there's a lot of money in a small amount of time, comparatively, wasted. Well, and then you have to go and do all of the rest of the work on your own. So you're going to spend a lot of time flailing around and you know, going down some rabbit holes that don't pay off and things like that. So yeah, there's there's definitely a trade-off that way too. Yeah, one thing that universities have is they have a really good onboarding for out of high school, right? Uh, for people that are interested in this degree or interested in this field, but aren't necessarily the most self-starter, right? You have grades, you have expectations, and um, there's a structure there that can help people work through those issues. You get to the boot camps and they're kind of, you know, deep, they're of deeper end of the pool than university is. University is certainly a deeper end of the pool than, you know, high school is, but uh, boot camps is even a deeper end of the pool. Here's three months, bunch of stuff to get through and you got to keep up. If you don't keep up, there's nobody holding your hand. You know, we put out some tutors and stuff, but there's really not a, you know, there's not a way back. We want your money. We put, spent the time and effort on you. Um, so we expect you to put it, put it in and, and be really a lot, uh, yet another level up. And so it's just not a great way for everybody for certain. So that's maybe sure, maybe sure. the best route is self-taught. Everybody could just be self-taught. <laughs> just sit, you don't have to spend any money. There's no opportunity cost other than how long it takes you to learn. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I definitely don't think that either. Well, some some people need the structure you get from a co- yeah. college or university or boot camp, and some people will thrive without it. So, yeah, again, uh, going to my daughter, she really needs better structure, even. Uh, so the boot camp wasn't enough. We actually put her into this Newmont University. That still wasn't quite enough structure. Maybe she just needed a little bit, had some growing up to do as well to be more serious about studi- studies and and such. So, you know, there are definitely people, but she wants, she's she's bound to determine she wants to be a programmer, but she, we just haven't found her the right path yet. Yeah. I, I do want to jump a little bit more into the job search aspect of things we've been talking about, the other areas of things for about a half hour. So let's say that you've come through a program, you know, be it a four-year university or boot camp or you're self-taught and you're thinking, you know what, I'm ready to get a job. What, what kinds of things do you all recommend before I start talking about what I've put into the course uh, for people to go find a job? Be a panelist on a podcast. You know, that helps. People know who you are. <laughs> be friends with Charles Chuck Max Wood. No, uh-huh. <laughs> that, that, that may not help you so much. <laughs> Uh, portfolio, I think having some work you've done would be, uh, you know, a very simple, not simple, it could take a long time, but having something to show your employee, the place you're applying for that you've worked some, a, a pretty good portfolio, maybe three or four different projects. If I'm talking more in web development here, if you're like a backend developer or doing something else that might be a different type of portfolio, but that could be a good start to at least see, to show them what you've done, having a GitHub, having a LinkedIn Maybe having a personal website could help. Having, if you have some kind of a brand, personal brand might help if you have your own blog. I mean, the best bet is to see if the employers can come to you first. That would be, uh, gives you a better advantage point than having you going to them. That's a few thoughts off the top of my head. What do you think, Joe? I would say that those are definitely some of the things that I would recommend. I would also say that, like, I think there's just not one, like Eric, what did he list like five, six, seven things? There's just not one 
simple thing that you can do. You might be lucky enough that you went to either a boot camp or a university, and at the end of it, there's this job fair, and you just get a job from that, right? But for everybody else, legwork and a big, wide variety of activities. So one of them could be getting involved in open source, right? Mm-hmm. There's plenty of opportunities. That's, that's, it's a bit of a self-starter activity to get involved in open source, but getting involved in open source is one. Being involved in your local meetups, as many as possible. Attend every one of them. Speak when you can. Be involved in those. And every time somebody gets up and says they're hiring, go talk to them. And every time you get up, mention that you're looking for a job. That's another great way to do. Go to conferences because conferences are attended by a lot of sponsors who are looking for it. And if you're you're limited on funds, a lot of conferences have scholarships uh, that you can get. Harder to get if you're a white male, but there are scholarship opportunities out there. So going to conferences and talking to the uh, uh, employers. And here's a little tip that probably a lot of conference organizers wouldn't want given out, but the security is pretty lax at conferences. So if you just want to go in and talk to their sponsors, that's usually something that nobody's going to bother you too much about without a ticket. So if there's a local conference that's going on, I would definitely not recommend that you go in and try to steal a seat because you can usually watch their talks online without paying. But go in and talk to their sponsors. I don't think you're too likely to get bounced uh, from that activity and just see which ones of them are hiring. Um, blogging, like Eric said, getting a presence on YouTube and doing some anything you could do to make your get your name known and then ha- differentiate yourself from the other people. Work on your own personal projects as much as possible. Keep learning to learn new skills so that you can be educated about stuff. They'll be asking about things. The more stuff that you've can say, oh, I know a little bit about that, or I've heard of that, or I looked, I watched a short video about that. That's way better than saying I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. You could go, this sounds a little creepy, but I've heard it work for one person. <laughs> you, could, you could go to LinkedIn, find out who, like, who the hiring manager is for these companies that you're wanting to work for, and then friend them on LinkedIn, try to talk to them, see if they're hiring, maybe build some kind of relationship with them before you go see them and actually interview with them. You have to do it in the right way though. That's one of the tactics out of my course. Okay. Uh, Yeah. If you don't do it the right way, it becomes like you're a creepy stalker, but if you do it the right way, then it might work. Yeah. Don't creepy stalker. I I provide some, uh, some message templates and uh, scripts for people for that. Um, But I would also say, sorry, go ahead. Joe, mentioned the the first thing that I tell people to do and that is before they do anything else uh, go find a local meetup or three right. and then I would also I would also say that even though most recruiters are not going to be interested in a junior level because they're not going to be recruiting much the way of junior level if you can somehow meet talk to some recruiters and just find out what companies they're hiring because they may not advertise much that they're hiring but if they're hiring regular developer positions they might be looking for a junior and then that helps you identify which companies to look at and talk to uh, but going to the meetups will also is also a great way. You talk to everybody that you possibly can, find out who they're working for, and then go to those companies and look and see if they have open positions. Send out resumes. Send out resumes unsolicited, even if they don't say that they're hiring. Still, figure out who the hiring manager is. Send out your resume because you never know when they're just saying, ah, maybe we should start hiring for this position. All of a sudden, resume comes in and they feel like, ah, oh, this is a pretty decent fit. And then you you hire that way expand your LinkedIn network. Most jobs are found through a friend of a friend and not mm-hmm. uh, directly by yourself. 
Yeah. And, and that's the whole point, right? Is that if you are on their radar, when they start looking for somebody, then you don't have to compete with hundreds of resumes. You have to compete with a couple other people who know somebody at the company. The other thing is, is that if you can stand out in some way, then that also helps you because then you're not just a resume, right? You're a face with a name and, you know, we know who you are. And so all of those things kind of play into it. And ultimately then your job is just to convince them that you're the kind of fit that they're looking for, that you can do the job that they need you to do. And, and it's a lot easier when, you know, they're not overwhelmed with the number of people that are applying for the job. A few other things that I'm just going to put out there because we're kind of running out of time is look for companies in the area you want to work in. So for example, uh, Joe and I live here in Utah. So, you know, you could look at uh, companies that do the kind of uh, technical work. So let's say you really want to do Vue or you want to do Ruby on Rails or Express or Koa or something, you know, go find companies that are using those technologies that are in the area you want to work in. And then, yeah, I, t- I tell people, go on LinkedIn, see if you can find somebody who works at the company. And you can even just send them a message that basically says, uh, hey, I just graduated from the boot camp. I'm looking for a little bit of career advice. And I noticed that you work at this company and they look pretty interesting. So is there any way I can talk to you about what it takes to work there and get a job there? And especially if you like offer to buy them lunch or something, it'll cost you 10 bucks or 20 bucks. And you'll, you'll get more than you bargained for as far as information on how to apply, who to talk to, what's going on at the company, and what skills you need to build up before you can get the job. And if you, if you can kind of target a couple of companies that way, it really sets you up really nicely. The other thing is, is then when, if you're going to the meetups, you can ask questions about those topics at the meetups and see if you can get somebody to help you understand them there. And so you, you start kind of building up to the point where you're the kind of person that the, these folks want to hire. And then, you know, interact with them in any way that they can, uh, you can, so that you're uh, going to their events and contributing to open source or building against their APIs or things like that. And there's all kinds of stuff like this that I've got in that course. But anyway, I think we're out of time. So I'm going to push us to picks. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood. And I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution. Code badges. That's right. You heard me right. Basically, the idea is is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Go ahead, Joe. I just have one pick, which is the Framework Summit. It's coming up. It's going to be awesome. Plenty of view content. Got the view team there uh, doing a keynote. It's going to be an amazing event and a nice uh, view full day workshop on learning view. So if you're interested in learning view, that's a great place to come and take a workshop. Uh, by uh, Hassan DJ, who wrote one of the really good view books. Uh, he'll be teaching the all-day workshop on Monday, the 1st of October. Awesome. And I'll be there as well. So you can, you can go meet Joe and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can meet me too. All right, uh, Eric, what are your picks? All right. Uh, yeah, I will continue the learning theme that we're talking about in this episode, uh, learning how to get a job and the tips. So my tip uh, is I have 
a course. By the time this video comes out, it will be out. It's the Create Awesome Vue.js apps with Nuxt.js. If you guys don't know, Nuxt.js Nuxt is a really cool way of creating Vue.js apps that has some server-side rendering built into it. So this course, uh, it's about six, should be six to eight hours long. And it has just tons of information, not just about Nuxt, but also Vue. So if you're a brand new Vue person and you want to kind of get a jump start on, on getting started with Vue, you got to check it out. So it's at school.programwithericuric.com. And that's with a K. So school.programwithericuric.com. Awesome. Well, I should mention my um, course. Um, if you go to getacoderjob.com, it'll take you to the right place. Or you can just go to devchat.tv and look at the courses that are there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to throw out a couple other picks. I'm going to be at Framework Summit, like I mentioned. And then I'm also going to be in a few other places. So I'll just let you know what those are real quick. I'm going to be at CES in January. So if you live in or around Las Vegas or you're going to be there for CES, let me know. I'm happy to grab lunch or something and uh, get off my feet because CES involves a lot of walking. And yeah, I'm also going to be going to Podcast Movement, which is a podcaster's um, conference. It's going to be in Philadelphia this year. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for that as well. And uh, yeah, the only other pick I have, and I've picked this on every show I've recorded this week. So maybe you can track how far ahead we are <laughs> on all the different shows by this. But um, I, I rented some stuff from Home Depot Tool Rental um, to work on my yard because I don't really want to own a rototiller for example. But uh, yeah, we've been working on the yard. Um, we killed all the grass and weeds in our yard because the weeds were winning the fight. And uh, I'm going to be putting sod in on Saturday, but I wanted to kind of till it under and give it a chance to kind of start to break down before then. And so, uh, yeah, rented a tiller from Home Depot Tool Rental. And it turns out that they have a number of other tools that I don't necessarily need to own that I also rent uh, sometimes. So if you're looking for tools, even heavy machinery, uh, they rent all that stuff there. So, all right. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you. All right. We will uh, wrap this one up and we will catch everyone next week. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.